0: The title of the message is, because I couldn't come up with anything more clever and creative, just some practical spiritual realities. So this is going to be some practical things that are true about you and me spiritually and uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll open up our eyes to see what we've been given um, by the Lord. So some practical spiritual realities. Now, let's just read these verses together and then we'll dive in. So Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to cover verses 19 to 22, the context being what we looked at last week was what? What did we look at last week? Jermon, what did we look at? Um, Three people groups. Three people groups, okay. And what were those three people groups? Who can give me one? The church. The church. I like that. Aubrey, was with your hand up? Yeah. The Jews, And Rashawn? Gentiles. Gentiles, good, right? Now, here's a harder question, and if you if you took notes, it may not be as hard, but if you didn't take notes, it will definitely be hard. What verse tells us those three people groups? Uh, Trevon? 1 first- <laughs> Corinthians 10:36. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 10:36. Yeah. It lays out Yes, perfect. Okay, so we looked at the three people groups and and what Paul did was he's explaining uh, from from verse 11 to verse 18, he's explaining those three people groups and how Christ came, died, was buried, rose again, and now commissioned that third one that's most relevant to you and me, the church. And he's saying, hey, Jews and Gentiles, it's actually... You know, in Christ, it's one thing, okay? And you're the church. And so, as he continues and finishes this chapter, he's going to explain some things that are true of the church, of you and me, together. Does that make sense? So, let's read them, and then we'll, we'll look at them. It says says, verse 19, Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So verse 19, let's look at it. We'll pull our practical spiritual reality. It says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Now that's the phrase that stood out to me as I was praying and reading through it. And um, you in your Bible could underline that, household of God, if you, if you want. But that seems pretty cool and significant to me that we are a part of the household of God. We're part of the household of God. Now Nate, when we pray uh, corporately on Sunday mornings at 8.30, you're invited to that. Uh, there's just a group of guys and gals that gals sometimes, but anybody's welcome. Up in the uh, balcony east, we pray together at 8.30. But Nate was there, and, and the last few weeks, I don't know if he notices this, but I listen to the words that he uses when he prays. And one thing that he prays uh, about is, is coming to, to, to the Lord's house. Like, we're here at, in God's house, in the house of God. Like, you know, we are the house of God. The church building is, in a sense, the house of God, right? And we are a part of the household of God, right? We belong to the Lord and His home. Does that makes sense? like the Father has His children and, and His family that live in that house. We're a part of that family. So, here's a couple of things, though. Not only are we the family, we are the citizenship. Uh, We have new citizenship uh, in Christ. And so Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 tells us this household is also a citizenship. We're part of a new community. We're part of a new, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, society, government. I don't know. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what God says. He says in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, He says, For our conversation, our conversation, you might say, that doesn't sound like citizenship, but it is. Okay? It is. The word that uh, is translated into conversation means citizenship. Okay? So our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change your vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So in other words, you and I, we ought to to recognize and live like we understand our citizenship is in heaven. You are an ambassador of Christ, which means you are somewhere that you are not related to, right? You are somewhere where you don't come from. That's what an ambassador does. Our citizenship is in heaven. Your king is Jesus, right? That's good news. Because the government today, I'm not going to belabor this point. The government today, and for the last, I don't know, 400 years, has been whack. It's a great country. It's excellent. I love America. I do. I wish I could wear American flags like on my hats and my shirts. I just don't think that's my style. <laughs> but I like it. But our government has grown more and more corrupt. And even now, there's, there's legislation that's going to be passed that's going to change our lives if it passes. If it passes through the Senate, I'm telling you what, America is not going to look like it's ever looked before we're not, actually, that's not our first citizenship, okay? And you, if, if you're wondering, what is he talking about? We can talk about it later, but you just need to know that our citizenship, our king, our authority, yes, we submit to the government, but our authority, ultimately, is Jesus Christ, and that's a good thing. Now, household of God, belonging to the home, the household, the authority, the rulership of God, is also, we are His family. In Second Corinthians 6, verse 17 and 18, it says this, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Isn't that a good thing? Some of you, you have absent uh, fathers. You have absent mothers. Or maybe you don't have absent fathers and mothers, but you have uh, maybe non-believing parents, right? To put it politely. Maybe you have parents who have let you down. Maybe you've got a home situation that's tough. You need to know and believe and cling to the fact and reality that God is your Father. And He will absolutely fill that role, that hole that's in your heart and mind where your parent was supposed to be. Okay? And then then even beyond that, some of you have excellent fathers and mothers. There's no greater father... than than that which is in heaven. Right? He is a good, good Father. And He takes care of His children. And He loves His children. And He leads them and guides them and corrects them and hangs out with them and comforts them. I mean, God is good. He's a good Father. And we get to be part of His family. So here's your key point. You don't have to search for a place to belong. You don't have to search for a place to belong. You may just have to see how you fit. And what I mean by that is, practically here at this church, you don't have to go search and find where you, know, you belong because you belong here. Spiritually, in the church, in Christ, you don't have to go and search for a place where you belong. You belong there. God provides for you. He's your father. He's the father of this household. You know, In this group right here, I'm not in charge. The father is right? But maybe you feel like, I don't know how I fit. I don't know what my place. I don't know what my role is. You may just have to figure that out, right? The retreat is going to be a good place for you to do that too. But I'll give you some keys to that that aren't going to be on the slides. If you're looking for your place and how you fit in this church or maybe in this ministry specifically, it's going to require you absolutely to be humble You're going to have to be humble and willing to open up to people that you may not know or trust yet. That's hard. That's really hard. To open up to someone you don't know or trust yet, you might be thinking, that sounds impossible. Well, it's not. It's just hard. But I I can guarantee it's worth it. It's worth it to know your place in a group to know you belong and know how you fit, man, that's a good time, and not many people have that. Not many people have that. So let's look at the next verse, verse twenty. Uh, he goes on. And he says, "And here, this is this is another practical uh, spiritual reality. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone." Now, I sent the link out in the high school war chat. And uh, it was a link to a, basically an explanation of what a, a cornerstone is. And if you didn't see that, or you didn't read it, no, no worries. A cornerstone, these days, is more of a symbolic thing, where they put this stone on a building uh, that's made of stones, of other stones, and it has like a, a date on it, or a name, and it recognizes some special person. And a lot of times, uh, an article I read says that this stone will be uh, actually hollowed out. It'll be empty, and they put like valuable things that are um, significant to the building in there. And so whenever whenever the building changes purposes or it's demolished and they're going to rebuild or something, they have that collection of uh, significant things to hold for history in a museum or something like that, right? But But before it became symbolic, a cornerstone was actually... A stone in the foundation of a building that would be the first stone laid, and then the other stones of the foundation would be laid, and then you would build on that foundation, right? That we call that initial stone a cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. He was the first uh, born among brethren, right? He's the first to, to resurrect. He is our... He's our older brother. He's the one who went before us. He's the one who lays the foundation for us to have a relationship with the Father. Right? And a part of this foundation, a part of this initial building is the apostles, as we see in verse 20. Apostles and prophets. Okay, so that was a long time ago. Those apostles and prophets, Jesus dying, raising again. That was a long time ago. And that's just the foundation. But here's something else. You and I, we are actually part of the building. We're actually part of the building. So, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, it tells us about this house that we are, this building, this house that we are. It says this, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. In other words, you've got this physical mortal body that is your house. It's the house, the tabernacle of God, actually. But you've got this house and and one day you're going to stand before the Lord. You'll have a glorified body. It'll be a different house. But you're also going to stand before the Lord. And what is also made reference or made mention in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is this house that you're building in heaven with this life you have on earth will be judged. You're building a house that will be judged. What am I talking about? Somebody tell me. What am I talking about? Aubrey. The judgment, seat of the judgment seat of Christ. And if you'll watch Mark Trotter's uh, message about the judgment seat of Christ, he'll, he'll illustrate this much better than I will. But basically, you've got the foundation, Jesus Christ. And then on top of that foundation, you're building this house and you don't want to be naked and ashamed because you built this house out of nothing and out of, of worthlessness stuff in this life. You built a life for yourself that's actually empty and vain has no spiritual significance. Because then when he judges that and it burns it all up with this fire of judgment, all of a sudden you're left naked as it were and ashamed. Paul is saying here, we don't want to build like that. But we are groaning that that we'll put on this house, that we'll get to that judgment seat of Christ, that we'll be uh, absent from the body and present with the Lord. Okay? These are all kind of high, ethereal concepts. But, but get this, here's a process here. Paul also makes it pretty practical in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verses 9-11. through 11. He puts it this way, get this, here's the practical part. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But here it is, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation, can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You and I are called and warned to be aware of how we're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. In other words, how are you building your life? What are you focused on? What are you investing in? What are you doing? Those things actually matter. What are you focused on? What are you investing in? What are you doing? Are you focused on yourself? Are you focused on the Lord? Are you investing in yourself? Are you investing investing in spiritual things? Things that will last forever. And what are you doing? Are you just doing whatever you want? Or are you using your time and energy to invest the Word of God into the souls of men? And I'm not saying that means you're literally preaching the Gospel all day long. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when given an opportunity, are you stepping forward and saying, Yes, Lord. Whatever it is, God, however you would lead, I'll do it. And I'm not saying that because you should be, you know, intimidated and coerced into doing something I think you should do. I'm saying that because you will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ for what you do in this life. For what you do. Not what you feel, not what you like, not what you want to do, but what you do. And, And in genuine humility... I urge you to get to work. I'm scared, bro. Of the judgment seat of Christ, I'm terrified. I can't be too busy. I can't be too addicted to the ministry. I can't. And neither can you. Get to work. Here's your key point. You are part of something much bigger than yourself. You're building a building you're using your life, you're a part of a mission that is far bigger than your individual life. You're actually building a house, you're building a building that belongs to God, not you. You're building a life that belongs to God, right? Right. Which means we are relieved from getting all the glory. The bu- the bigger building belongs to God, right? Who receives all the glory from our labor. It's not about, you know, you putting together this thing that uh, you can be proud of. It's you putting together this thing that God will be proud of, that God will be pleased in, right? So you just follow His instructions. He gives you all the instructions, all the leading that you could possibly need and how to build this and how to do it. And He uses the leaders in this group and the students in this group to encourage you and help you along. So if you're wondering, I don't know what to do, how do I get to building? Well just actually ask us that question. Actually ask me, ask one of the counselors, ask one of the the students in here. Hey, what do I do? How do I do that? And we'll figure it out together. Figure out what God wants you to do. Now for this next point, we have to address an assumption I'm going to be working with. So I'm going to assume something about this group, but I need to figure out where we're at. So I have a question for you. And it may sound silly, but it's genuine. So please be honest. And don't be funny, because you're actually not funny. Sorry, I love you. Who wants to get away with as much sin... As you so desire. Not, I'm not asking who wants to just go out and sin as much as possible and you want to kill people and you want to rob banks and you just want to do everything wrong. I'm not saying that. I don't believe that anyone in here, uh, just based on knowing the people in here, I don't think anyone in here is evil. Okay? I don't. I don't think you're wicked. But I want to know who in their heart would honestly say, I actually want to get away with as much sin as I can because I don't really care if I'm accountable to God or anyone else. Anybody in that place? I thought for a second Rebecca was raising her hand. <laughs> She's fixing her mat. It's like, actually, I do. Yes. Yeah. I don't think you do. Okay. I think we. I think we're immature. All of each of us. Right. But I don't think anybody in here would say, you know what, I think I just want to get away with as much as I can because I don't really care. I don't think you're that proud, right? I think, I think you generally, we generally have our want to set to the right things, as Sam would say. Our heart's desire is to do what's right. And so if that's the case, then we're going to talk about this next verse, which will address your lifestyle, okay? Verse 21 says, In whom all the building which we are, right, in whom all the building inside Christ, right, all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. We are fitly framed together. We're we're the body of Christ. We're the household of God. We're put together and we're growing unto an holy temple, set apart, different. Not seeking sin. Not getting what we want. Set apart unto the Lord, right? Okay, so, individually, we address this uh, with First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19-20. Paul says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. And that last part is critical. That's the practical part. Okay, you don't belong to you. Your body is a temple and it's to be a holy temple. Why? Because you don't belong to yourself. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Give your body and your spirit, your emotions, your motives, your mind. Give all of that to the Lord. Surrender to Him. Stop doing what you want to do. Because right now it's great. If you're caught in a cycle of doing whatever you want, maybe you just haven't hit the end of that cycle where everything hits the fan and you're miserable. Because when you do what you want to do, you can trust me, it's not going to work out for you if you belong to the Lord. He won't let it. I mean, just ask Tiffany about her testimony. She explained all of that, illustrated that very well last week. If you go after what you want, it's not going to end well. Don't do that. Glorify glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And then collectively, as a group, here's the address to us, the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 24. Got a few verses here, so hang with me. We're almost done here. Paul says this. He says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth, okay, from now on, walk not as other Gentiles walk. Why not? Why, why would he tell you not to walk as other Gentiles walk? We're with him now. Say again? are walking with him now. Okay, we're walking with him now. But why does he address Gentiles? He's, he's about to explain it. How about this? Because you're not a Gentile anymore. That's not who you are. You're like, what are you talking What's a Gentile? Well, let's explain it, okay? <laughs> walk not as other Gentiles walk, because you're not a Gentile. He says, In the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness. In other words... They did whatever they wanted. And their heart was dark and gross. And that's who you used to be when you were a Gentile. He said, don't do that. Stop doing that. Don't walk like that. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so, be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Okay, So if you've been saved and you've received the word of God and you're hearing it and and he's teaching you, hey, you don't do that. Well, stop doing it. Right. We know better. And then he says this. Here's here's the practical instructions. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation. This time that word means lifestyle. What you do Concerning the former conversation, the old man. Put off your old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Don't you know that your human nature, your sin nature is vile? Don't you know you want what, what you shouldn't have? You want to do what you know you shouldn't do? Do you know that about yourself? I know it about myself, man. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm an awful human being. <laughs> right? Right? Seth said, Seth said our Bible study a few weeks ago, which is so perfect." He said, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." He said, "Uh, I, I have, what did you say? You said something about?" Uh, I have the intelligence of uh, like an ape, a retarded ape, and uh, the charisma of a brick wall. Yes, No, that's perfect. I want to hear your like. Your descriptive, your figurative language of what, like, your sinfulness is. I'm as sinful as. I'm, yeah, you don't. You, yeah, you don't have to come up with it now, but man, don't you know? Don't you know how bad you are? And and don't you know you can laugh at how bad you are because everyone in here is just man, in and of ourselves. There, the Bible says there's no good thing that dwells in you, and your flesh dwells no good thing. Okay, no good thing. But here's the instruction because you're in Christ and because you've been given God's spirit, it's inside of you. You've been given his word, you've been given his people. Now we can together follow the last verse there and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Don't you know you can put yourself uh you can put on yourself These new clothes, this new man, these new characteristics, new fruit, a new attitude, new behavior, new purpose. Don't you know you can put that on now? You don't have to worry about, oh, I'm so bad. I'm just an awful person. Yeah, welcome to the club. Nobody cares. Literally, no one cares. But you can put on something People will be drawn to fruitfulness, right? So so in a world of finding and identifying yourself, labeling, right? You know that's happening a lot right now. Everybody's labeling and relabeling and mislabeling themselves. They're exploring, who am I? I know I was born this way, but man, maybe I'm this way. Actually, man... You need to stop thinking about yourself so much. And you need to recognize this. Key point. You were lost. And you've been found. You don't have to search for yourself. You've been found. Now be true to who and how God made you. Be true to who and how God made you. God made you to be a son or a daughter of God. Be that. Who cares what you do for a living? Who cares? Who cares what style you wear of clothes? Nobody cares. Doesn't matter. I mean, that's good. Dress how you want. I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't think about that. I mean, if you look like a weirdo, maybe we care a little bit, okay? <laughs> but not really. You know? If, if, if you are being... And living like a son or daughter of God, I don't care what you're wearing. If you're talking and thinking like that, I don't don't care what you're wearing. Did you get it? Did you come up with it, Seth? No, I was just going to point out that I'm wearing Crocs with socks right now. I I really appreciate you. That's perfect. (laughs) In fact, I think that's... Even better. I mean, yeah. I think higher of you because you got the Crocs on, okay. the socks. Oh, yeah. Crocs and socks over here, dude. Yeah. See? We're all good in here. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay, I've got one minute, so let me finish this up real quick with you. So, so your lifestyle, it ought to be holy. It ought to be different uh, because y- you were lost and you're found and you are who God says you are and you don't have any right To change that. If God owns you, if God labeled you, if God determines and defines who you are, then who are you to say, no, that's not who I am. I am this. No, I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to live like this. Who are we? To think we have that much authority over our lives. Man. Let's get that. And then the last verse here, your purpose. So verse 22 says, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit, for an habitation of God through the through the Spirit, we're built it together, and it's it's for an habitation. You're supposed to be the location where God lives, inhabitates, right? Now, I kind of went a certain direction in terms of us being the habitation of God, and and uh, you've been made the dwelling place of God, and I want to look at the lifespan of that uh, of that. Rent that he's, that he's taking up inside of you. Let's look at your security. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Let your conversation, lifestyle, be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God moved in and He isn't moving out. Romans eight thirty eight and 39. on the same thought. The same promise says for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Where is that love of God? Where is the love of God that we can't be separated from, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Well, where are you spiritually? You're in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you're in there and the love of God is in there, you can't be separated from the love of God. You can't be separated from God. No matter what you do, no matter how you talk, no matter if you wear Crocs with socks or not, you can't be separated from Him. And your purpose is to be His home. So be it. So what does that mean? How do you be a home? Like this. <laughs> <laughs> Am I real impressive right now? No, uh, mm, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm not doing anything fancy. I'm not entertaining anyone. I'm not impressing anyone. I might be entertaining Lula right now. <laughs> I just went viral, <laughs> right? Your walk with the Lord doesn't have to be impressive to anyone, nor will it be, if nor will it be, if people have minds to think, right? The person who's walking around being impressive—they're not actually that impressive, right? They're not that impressive, and so there's a lot that could be said here in terms of us being the habitation of God. Um, but I'm going to leave you just with the exhortation that John left, uh, left us with in First John chapter 2.28. Here's what you do. Practically, this is your purpose. This is what you do. This is how we move forward. He says, and now little children, abide in Him. Just abide in Him. Hang out with Him. Be with Him. Dwell with Him. Know Him. Know His habits. Know His routine. Know what He does and why He does it. You know, it's like when you live with someone, I, I have come to expect, you know, Josie will wake up and she's either going to come find me if I'm awake at the house. She's going to roll in. She's going to find me. She's going to sit on my lap. She's going to snuggle up with me. And she's going to do whatever I'm doing. Read my Bible, working, whatever. I know what she's going to do. I know her routine. Or she's going to get up and go feed the cat. (laughs) I know what she's doing and I know why she does it. I know what Kylie's routine is. I know about when she wakes up. I know the things she does after she gets up. You know the people that you acknowledge their presence in the place that you're at with them. Know God, man. And here's why. It brings us back that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Man, don't you want that? Don't you want to know and be confident that Listen, I know that I've built some things in my life that are going to burn up in the judgment seat of Christ, but I'm confident because in general, the general bent of my life is that I am given to abiding in Christ, being with Him, walking with Him, following Him, listening to Him, obeying Him, investing the Word of God into the souls of men, whatever and however He calls me to do that. And therefore, because I've abode in Him, I'm confident before Him. And I'm confident because I know that I'm humbled and I'm desperate. And I don't have to be ashamed or shocked when I fall to my knees, head bowed to the ground, tongue confessing, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's not going to surprise me. Does that make sense? That's the place we want to live in right now. Confident. Because you're abiding with Him. And that's what we do as a group. That's how we'll be fruitful. That's how your friends will come to know Jesus in your schools. That's how they'll come to be connected and established here in the local church. And that's how they're going to grow and be fruitful as well. It's if you and I will just choose to to abide. Just choose, choose to be who God made us to be and do what God made us to do. And then our lives are going to be really, really exciting. Really exciting. Amen. You didn't stop me at ten twenty five. Oh, by the way. Were we supposed to? You definitely were.